Uh, this is uh, Kevin Evans with Crossroads Assembly of God Church in Greenville. And this is the chapter by chapter life class where we, are stu we study one chapter of scripture uh, at a time as we go. And uh, since we are currently in the latter half of the book of John, that chapter by chapter thing really isn't holding up. Last week we got, we, we got through the first verse of chapter 13 before the general discussion took up the rest of the hour. So, do we need to talk about verse one some more? Um, you know, and so it's gonna move a little slower at this point. And just to recap, uh, uh, John finishes Christ's public ministry in chapter 12. And then in chapter 13, we have the Lord's Supper, which we just started with. And for the next five chapters, John covers one day. The whole lot happens in that one day. And in addition to that, in, in, in the Gospels, there are three large discourses by Christ, where Christ, it's all in red letter lead letters in the Bible, and Christ is teaching, you know, a, a whole bundle of truths all at once. It's like one big sermon. There's the Sermon on the Mount, which we studied in uh, Matthew and, and in Luke, and then there's uh, the, stud, the Olivet Discourse, where he's uh, on the Mount of Olives, and he's talking about the temple being raised up, and he's uh, giving his disciples and his followers uh, a picture of what's going to be coming in the future. And then there's this one, I don't know what this is called, but this is, there, there are four different chapters. The, the next four chapters is Christ teaching his disciples uh, and preparing them for what's about to happen. And it, it's, a, it's a private message. It's just the, his followers in the room. It's not to the general people. It, it's the men that he's sending out to send out his message so that they will understand what's about to be happening. So that's what we're about to dig into. If you go through the next two or three chapters in the book, if you have a red letter edition, you'll notice it's a whole lot more red than black. So uh, I'm a, it's going to move a little slower, I think, as we, as we dig through this because it's obviously dense. So let's uh, look at the first segment of, um, of chapter 13, which goes to about verse 17. And I'll read that again, and hopefully we can get back past the first verse and, and pick it up uh, there. So uh, verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to save this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter's a little dense. Uh, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash, my, wash you, you have no part with me. 
Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he was, uh, said not everyone was clean. Uh, John, John is picking on Judas almost. Uh, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do. Okay. Last week, we talked a little bit about the, the, the circumstance of this meal. And this says it's just before Passover. And there, uh, I, I discussed a kind of a long-standing Christian argument about whether this was on the day of the Passover or this was like a meal where they all got together before the day of the Passover. And uh, there's a kind of a big rift on that. I don't, in the end, I don't think it matters. Uh, Christ was, uh, it, 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 it may have been the day before and it may not have been the official meal, but there are elements of this that all point to it and it easily, well, it could be. And they could have celebrated the Passover meal early just because of they needed to or something. Anyway, uh, it is a formal occasion. From what I could tell on, for an Eastern custom, and I'm not sure if this still stands, but uh, when the, the head of a household has a meal or a feast and invites guests over, uh, traditionally they sit on cushions on the floor. You've got fancy rugs and lots of pillows and everybody sits on the floor, which is the Asian thing anyway. And then you have a very low table, which is about five inches tall in front, and, and you eat off this low table. Uh, when I was in college, I had a uh, Korean roommate who walked in with a table that was this tall. And I didn't have a, a kitchen table, and he did, and, and he put it on the floor. And I walked in and go, where's the kitchen table? You know, and uh, I had to get my head all, all around that, too. <laughs> you know, and so I, I did spend about two years sitting on a cushion in front of a little squatty table uh, with my Korean roommate, Kenny. Um, he also had this other little thing that uh, was a cultural issue. Uh, he didn't like people walking around inside the apartment with their shoes on. Oh, yeah. I'm from Texas, and at the time I wore ropers. Um, you don't just take your boots off and then throw them straight back on when you go back out of the house. It's, it's, this was, we had a cultural clash here. And... Um, uh, I uh, and eventually we reached a kind of a compromise and if I were home for the evening I would lose the boots and, and you know and, and behave if I wasn't going out again but if I was popping in and out I had to stay out of the kitchen so there were places where I couldn't go wearing the boots but he would allow me from the door to my room and out the door again and we, he, he allowed that compromise so I had I had the den because I could walk from the den to my room uh, and then, but, but then in the evening, I had to leave the booth. So, so there was that. And that's because if you're sitting around on the floor and you're, you're laying on these fancy rugs and these fancy pillows, you don't, want, you don't want dirt all over them. Cleanliness is kind of important, you know? If you're not 
sitting on the floor, it's less so. And so Westerners walk around in their carpet in their shoes. You know, uh, it, it, it makes sense. So if the master of the house invites a lot of people over, one little table isn't going to do. They're going to bring in more tables. And what they tend to do is make a big U. And if you're really fancy and rich, you have a table made specifically in that shape, one big table. And there, there's a word for it, I forgot. And the master sits in the middle of the U, and everybody else sits around it. And then servants come in and serve from this side of the table, which makes it really easy to serve, which is the point, you know? And so you don't sit on both sides of the table. Yeah, well, you. you there's a U in the middle. I guess you're facing a guy from across, across the middle. And so uh, we assume that they're in the, that arrangement. Now, if you're having a big dinner, it is common to eat the meal, and then you continue to sit and talk and drink and haggle and get to know people. This is, this is how you socialize in Eastern cultures. And so if you're, you, know, you have a formal meal when you want to meet the family of your son's future bride, this is a big deal. So, because you, know, you need to make sure that they're acceptable for all kinds of reasons and not just you know, love. And so uh, we, you uh, invite them over. You don't just have the meal. You're showing off a little bit because you're, you know, want to present yourself well. But then you kind of want to size them up and, and they may sit there for three or four hours talking, and this is not something unheard of in Western culture either. I have sat at some very long dinners and begged out of Christmas dinner after I was finished with my meal and to go play while the old people sat in there and talked all day, <laughs> you know. So uh, when that happens, after the meal part is done, they, they're sitting on a cushion on the floor, they get relaxed and they, they lie down and they'll lean on an elbow and you still can see everybody. You stick, you stick the pillow under your arm and you can recline with your feet out and so forth. And so it was common to eat and recline talking and there weren't any rules here. So you could go lean against the wall if that worked for you. No, nobody, you know, but after the, the meal sitting part is done, you just, you just get comfortable. Now, in the old days, when you walked in, particularly in the Middle East, where there aren't a whole lot of trees, it's a very rocky, dirty country, and they're all wearing sandals, you can lose the shoes. That doesn't help. Your feet are still filthy, because it's before the days of good shoes and socks, I guess. So there was a bin of water, a trough of water, uh, by the door, and uh, usually people wash their own feet when they came in the house. In fact, they would do that even if there's not a meal. You don't want to track dirt in the house. Uh, if it was a rich house, there might be a servant who greeted you at the door, and he'd wash your feet as you came in so that you don't mess up his carpet that he's going to have to clean later anyway. You know? Uh, it would be unheard of for the master of the house to wash your feet. Feet are dirty. Um, in Asian culture, feet are kind of an insult. You, if you hit somebody with your shoe, it is the ultimate insult. Uh, you, it, it's not just the, the whacking of the sole of the shoe. It, 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 there's a symbol to it. You are beneath my feet. You are beneath me. You show them the bottom of your foot. Right. You don't want to cross your legs in, in, in Asian country and show off the bustle of your shoe. 
uh, you know, uh, it, it, which begs a lot of questions that I'm not going to get into at the moment. Anyway, um, so, so there's the feet thing. So a, a master would never wash the feet of a guest. A rabbi would never wash the feet of a student. Frankly, a student would never wash the feet of a rabbi. That's also beneath him because a student isn't, isn't nothing. You know, he, uh, only the, the servant, the lowest of person in the household, and maybe not even that, would be the person that would wash your feet. This is a, a lowly thing. It is an humbling thing. Uh, there is a pecking order in Asian society, and still is, and in Western too. But, uh, and, and that would be to uh, unnecessarily demean yourself. You wouldn't want to do that. So, we have this story. Um, if you look in, where's my reference? Was it Luke? Luke, 22-24. Referring to the same meal, the disciples had been arguing with each other over who was the best. I think this is something that guys do, period. Weirdly, when women aren't around, I'm looking at Chris somehow. I think Chris understands. Um, and uh, to one-up each other, it's part of the whole machismo thing. And so uh, they want to, they're, 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 they're jockeying for pecking order in this discipleship thing. So with my brothers and I, we did this constantly, so I totally understand this. I had two brothers who were two and a half years younger than I was. They were twins, so they ganged up on me. And... Uh, we, we were always trying to prove who was faster or smarter or stronger or whatever. And then, uh, or, or in my case, who was more devious, evil, and violent. Uh, you know. You won. I Often. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Although I brought them up well. Um, I think it is an older brother's personal responsibility to keep his younger siblings humble. You didn't have an older brother, did you? You did? Oh, I take it back. I take it back. Okay. Well, then you understand. He lives down the road with my mom. Oh. <laughs> he takes care of her. Funny. Uh, <laughs> so they had been saying, who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus? And who's going to sit at the left hand? And in the new kingdom, who's going to be the more powerful? And, and they got mom in at one point to argue about it. And, and they're going through this, who's the best argument? And uh, John does not refer to that, but that had been happening. And most scholars feel that John's story is an answer to the depiction of the story in the Synoptic Gospels. John is saying, here's the other half of that, you know, which is, which is what he's doing here. So, so everybody knows the story <laughs> of the disciples uh, arguing for, you know, some kind of dominance. But Christ humbles himself and as the rabbi washes everyone's feet and allows them into the room and everyone accepts it except for Peter who has to be the super disciple he has to be better than the other disciples 
he's watching all the other disciples get their feet washed and he's thinking what's my next move right and so he says no you're not going to wash my feet I won't allow the rabbi to wash my feet I respect you Jesus He's thinking all the other disciples that just got their feet washed made the wrong call by allowing Christ to do what Christ was going to do. I think that's a sermon right there. You guys should write this down. You're the best. Don't we often rethink God? And we, you know, God, you want us to do this, but let, 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 let me do it my way, not your way. I think it worked better this way, God. You know, obviously you haven't thought this through, Jesus. Let me, let me fix this for you, and that way everything will be great. I'm not saying we don't need to use our intellect, but I think if we're called of God to do something, we need to do what God called us to do, whatever that is. Uh, and I think Peter is imposing his own uh, will into, into what God is calling for him, and Christ immediately chastises him. You either accept what I'm giving you, the way I'm giving it to you, or you don't. It's not like you do it your way. So when we do it our way, it's really not about God, it's about vanity. So do you think maybe that Peter thought and felt like he was unworthy of Jesus washing his feet? No! Don't you, don't you think maybe? There's a little misunderstanding Maybe there's a little bit of both. Maybe. Because Peter pride didn't do anything. We do, we make God, we, we theologize God to be like us. We don't become like God. God's supposed to be like us. You mean he's not? Well, no, he's, he's a white Republican American. Right. He's not Middle Eastern. <laughs> exactly. Which is actually blasphemy. Because we bring God down to our level. That's blasphemy. Yes, it is. I think Peter takes a lot of, a lot of the rap throughout the Gospels because he was the oldest. He had to set an example. He also was older than the other ones, so he knew a little bit more about respect, I think, than the others did. And I think that maybe there was a little bit of, he felt totally unworthy for Jesus to wash his feet because of that. The others were younger, and maybe they didn't really understand that. I mean, it's the same thing. But he didn't chastise the younger. He chastised Peter. Right, the oldest. Well, not, he didn't. He chastised Peter wrong. The others left. Yeah, but so that's what he was trying to teach him. Let me do this, and Peter resisted. They did resist. But I, I mean, he's not evil for this. I mean, I get. Hey, I don't want Jesus washing my feet. I'm supposed to wash Jesus' feet in my mind, but that was going against the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach. He was not listening to Jesus, and Jesus said, "You're not listening." Yes. And Peter just Peter let his pride get in his way of listening. And it wasn't his first time. And it wasn't his first time. No. And we would have been in the same situation. And it's typical. I think this is how human beings behave. And he's still got to mess up further here later on. So, you know. I, um, I'm, I'm waiting. Wait, okay. I'm, I'm dog paddling in uh, 
Bonhoeffer's uh, discipleship. Right now, I'm about halfway through. Okay, I'm drowning and struggling for air in Bonhoeffer's discipleship right now. What a hard book! Uh, I'll read one chapter and then I have to go back and read it again, and then I have to, have to read chunks of it, and then I have to think about it for a week, and then I go to the next chapter. <laughs> oh my word! How dense it is. Anyway. It's, uh, he has a lot to say about imposing our own ministry on top of God's calling. God calls us to this, but we think, you know, I, I know what I can do for God. I'm going to do this for God. Well, you know, you can, you can go and sacrifice and, and sell all that you belong and starve yourself to feed your own vanity, to show how great you are for God. If God didn't call you to do that, it's not about God. It's about you. That's right. And our pride gets in the way of things, even when our heart's in the right place. You know, when we're, we're doing it all for the right reason, except that we're not. We're, we're feeding our own ego. I think it goes back to when Jesus was saying all of you fasting, hey, they're doing the right thing, but he says, dress up like you're not fasting. Right. Because you don't want to draw attention to your fasting. Know I've been fasting this week. I've been praying. I'm so humble. I'm praying. And Jesus says, that doesn't impress me. Right. Look like you're not doing it and do it. And that'll impress me. So Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, yes, I am. And then so Peter says, well then, you're giving me a whole bath. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. <laughs> what extreme did he go? <laughs> because Peter's really wanting to have his way. He wants to do something different. He wants to show that he's super Christian. Um, and in this, Christ illustrates metaphorically what's about to happen at the end of the day. Peter is saved. Peter is in the club. Peter is a Christian and a committed follower. He's had his bath. Peter's a trained preacher at this point. He, he's, he, he's in. He's had his bath. But um, Christians, I don't, I, I don't want this to be a shock to anybody, but Christians sometimes sin. Even after you became a Christian, uh, Christians are human beings, and they're um, um, egotistical and um, angry and um, sometimes kind of mean. And sometimes I, I sort of enjoy being mean, to be fair. Uh, you just hold that thought back there, Bill. Um, He's, he's, he's in the club, you know, Peter is, but his feet are dirty. I think, we, I think that's a good picture of, of, of that. I think, I think Christians are, are wandering through the world being human beings, and we will never be perfect because we're not Christ, and we're going to get dirt on our feet, and I think we need to address the issue. Uh, we need to ask God for forgiveness for our sins, even after we're in the club, even after we're saved. I don't think that our soul is in danger of damnation every time we sin, Bill. But 
Uh, I, I, I do think that the, in order to stay justified before God, we need to address our, 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 our failings. And we need to do that before Christ and ask for his forgiveness and pray and commune with him and get our feet washed, which is the picture that he's giving us here. And so he forces Peter to, to go through all of this. And uh, John picks on, on Judas again because he takes every opportunity to. And uh, when he finished washing, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he tells them that they need to be humble and serve each other just like he served them. And the message is be humble, don't be jockeying for position like they were in the Synoptic Gospels. It's not about who's more powerful and who's on top. It's about everybody being equal. Yes, I agree. Good thought. But I, it, it, I, it comes to mind this, this I, I saw this uh, Catholic ceremony uh, on YouTube, and uh, it's a regular thing once a year. I forget the occasion, but all of the bishops in the Vatican will dress up in their finest regalia, and they uh, march out in front of uh, the Vatican where they've lined up a bunch of poor people, and they will kneel down on little cushions in their robes and wash the feet of poor people to show how humble they are while there's an attendant standing behind them with an extra towel to make sure that they don't get any, 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 any dirt on their fancy robes. And after they've washed these feet of these people, the people disappear suddenly, and then they all stand up and the bishops parade back into the cathedral having shown how humble they are. And that's what the announcer's saying, you know, in this demonstration of humility, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, where's that? Why don't you just all become humble? You know, and I don't think, I, I don't have a problem with the foot washing service. Well, I do when I have to wash Ray's feet, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Ray Pratt's feet? I, I, oh, my God. Okay, never mind, never mind. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry, Ray, if you're listening, I apologize. Uh, uh, I don't think that, that Christ is telling us that we need to use this as a sacrament, which at least one denomination I'm aware of does. Uh, this is, it, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for being humble and serving each other. And it doesn't have to be cleaning feet. I don't think that applies in our day and age. But there are many other ways that we can be servants to our fellow man. And you mean maybe like when we have a church potluck, don't be the first in line. Maybe you go fix a plate for the elderly person sitting instead of fix your plate and hurry up and sit down and eat at the potluck. Would that be a thought? Then I won't get the best pieces, Faith. Just a thought? Okay. Yeah, I think that's why it's really important as believers to make sure that we build our foundation on the rock and the solid word of God. You know, living in chapter 4, verse 8, and not just in 
problem with that actually yeah. um, but I don't think he's instituting it. he's not instituting this as a ritual right. that we're supposed to specifically follow yes. This, this yes shouldn't be like taking me right yeah but I mean I think at the heart of this is to get the right spirit behind it and Bonhoeffer talks about it in this book by the way first thing the first thing the, the prerequisite before being humble and serving others is before you can serve others you have to have to die to self. If you don't die to self, you're going to be a piranha. And it's it's great that you do it, but why are you doing it? And the the the, the book on audio tape we're listening to together as a couple. Uh, uh, she won't read the book. Respect audio. Uh, the audio. It's the message of it. He said he, he said we the dying to self is the problem in our society. You know, what was the story about the missionary? Uh, he said, a uh, friend of his that was a missionary, they came and they went, well, brother, it's great to do it for the pastor because we're going to take a big offering. And if you don't give an offering, I'm going to pray that your children are sent to the mission field. And, and, and he said it worked. And then what was the other statement he said? The, well, they, he was, they, it was the night before he was speaking at the church and he, he was having that supper with the deacons and the pastor and everything. Deacons. And the um, after dinner, they were talking about what, some ministry he was doing in, in New Orleans, and he was going to Taiwan or Indonesia or someplace where he'd been ministering or whatever. And one of the deacons said, well, I personally would rather see all the God just go ahead and wipe out all those people that, don't, that aren't saved and let's just move on so we don't have to keep spending our time and effort. And and, well, he also said the church had in the newspaper the equivalent of $23 million new sanctuary bill. <laughs> and then besides said, we raised money for the Sudan that just had an earthquake. We raised $5,000. Yeah. Message there. The ministry <laughs> starts at home. Dying to self. Dying to self. Yeah. Dying to self yeah, yeah, yeah. Ministry uh, starts at home. Yeah. Don't be taking money out of my pockets. <laughs> I forget that part. <laughs> but I mean, well, but self care is different than not dying to self. Well, it's supposed to be. You know, well, I mean, to where, well, it's the airplane when, hey, I got to put my mask on first, then I can take care of my child. You know, there is a point to that. But I mean, but. I think we know the difference. Selfishness of putting ourselves in a $23 million sanctuary but only sending $5,000 to help people who just got hit by an earthquake. Yep. That's not dying to self. 
Okay, let's move on to verse 19. 18, excuse me. Um, I am not referring to all of you, Christ says. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclined next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, ask him, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I dip it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. So Jesus is sitting at the head of the table. John is right there. Judas is right there. Peter is over there somewhere. I think that arrangement's really interesting since he's supposed to be the big shot head of the disciples and the oldest and the, the mouthpiece and all of that. Christ has just taught this big metaphor for equality and serving one another. And Peter, who just finished arguing with him over getting his feet washed, is sitting on the other side of the table. Is, is his feelings hurt? Is, is, you know, that is not where Peter sat. I'm telling you, that is not where Peter's supposed to sit. Peter's supposed to be where Judas is. But maybe he was trying after he had his feet washed. Yeah, I think his feelings were hurt. Yeah, sure do. He is sitting in the corner, like pouting. Being, yes. Being put in the kids' table at Thanksgiving. Should we go back? kind of, to me, it kind of makes them jealous because you don't see anywhere in here where he says the disciples that he loved are Peter, James, or he says the, the disciple he loved is John, and John was lying on his breast. Yeah, it's John, yeah. So, why is that? Why is what? Why is John kind of separated out of all the rest of them? I don't understand your question. Well, John, he says John is the disciple he loved. Yes. He doesn't say all the other disciples are the disciples. Oh, John is not using his own name in his own gospel. It was bad form in ancient writing to refer to yourself. It would have been uh, too egotistical, too, uh, too declarative. It, it would be an insult to God for him to put his name in his own book. Not egotistical, yet he says the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> so, so he puts in a euphemism. There's this guy. There's this guy that Jesus liked because he was sitting right next to him. 
He's referring, he's, he's, it, it's not so much that he's talking about how much Jesus loved him, it's that he's avoiding using his own name. Does I that make sense? I understand that, but it's kind of like he's leaving the other disciples out that he doesn't love them. No. Because it doesn't say Jesus loved all the disciples. Pish, pish, no, no. It says, no. It says no. John is the disciple. No. I totally disagree with this interpretation. No. <laughs> it says John was lying on his breast. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he was because they, it was after the meal and they were all reclining. So he was leaning against Jesus. Would that, you know, uh, uh, there's nothing inappropriate no, there. No, That's no, just no, the no, way no, they no, lie. No, okay, the only person in this room that lays on, on my chest is doesn't mean I love you, don't love the rest of you. She lays across my chest all the time. Kevin can't do that. Kevin can't do that. Ooh, you! <laughs> but, but, that does not mean I don't love everybody in here. I won't even hug you yet. Just stay away. Stay, stay away. Man, that hurts. <laughs> so you do see what I'm saying, Kevin. He was making it specific that he loved one disciple seems like more than the other. I think he was making it specific that he was there, he saw this, and he's the direct witness. It's a first-hand account. I got, I got some scripture I'd like to kind of add to what you're saying. Because God does not show favoritism, yeah. but accepts man for every nation who fear him and do what is right. So God does not show him favoritism. I think he's on my side, Bill. And to prove that he doesn't like John any more than anybody else? He saddled him with his mother at the end. So. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> that was a punishment. <laughs> no, actually, in that day and time, that was an honor. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be Oh, my God. All right, I lost my train of thought. Where was I? Okay, so John says, Lord, who is it? And Peter is whispering to John, find out, find out. He's kicking him on his foot, you know. And so Peter whispers to John. This is not a public statement. It, to John is it, the one that I'm doing. So he tells John who the betrayer will be, but he doesn't call Judas out. So he dips the bread, and, and Judas takes the bread, and then Jesus goes off to pay the bill, supposedly, because he's the treasurer. I think it's interesting that the treasurer was sitting right next to the administrator, which is how we do corporate tables now. Anyway, that fits. Um, and, so, and so Judas leaves, and I still don't think all of the disciples learned that Judas was the betrayer at that point. Uh, I think it's just John, and John tells Peter, and that's as far as that went. I think they would have all attacked Judas at that point if they all knew for sure that he was the one, and he wouldn't have gone out and did what he was supposed to do. Maybe. Um, I was trying. To, well, I was trying to see if I missed anything. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yes, I agree. Oh, Jesus is troubled. He's, you know, he, he starts off 
I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Uh, after he had said this, he was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. So Christ is concerned that... Yes, yeah, and he just finished washing Judas' feet. Christ loves Judas. Yes. Christ is, con is, is hurt that this is happening. I think he knows it has to happen. But he's hurt that this is happening because Judas is making this decision on his own. It is honest betrayal. I want to add, because here's the thing I always have a problem with, because he makes, I think Judas was actually quite a popular person. Because if you watch all the movies, like the greatest story ever told and stuff, they pick the most creepiest actor. Because uh -huh. if you're putting, lining them all up and saying, which one's going to betray Jesus? What's going to be that guy mm -hmm. going like this? You right. I'm going to bring up the Chosen again. They purposely have put the actor playing Judas. I don't think he's that scene again. He's charismatic. He's nice. He's, he's actually one of the nicest disciples. He's the only one that, he's one of the few that befriends Matthew. And he's a morally ambiguous businessman. And, 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 and he, he's actually quite popular. Yep. And I think this is what makes the... If, if he was a jerk to Jesus all the time, Jesus now go betray me. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think Jesus had a personal relationship with Judas that was actually closer than what we've always made it out to be. Yeah. And he is sitting not just as the treasurer, but maybe there is another reason why he was sitting right beside him. Maybe he was one of... And now, if these guys are writing from 2020 hindsight, they're going to they're gonna lower Judas's influence during those years because he was the betrayer. He yes. probably had a lot more influence than what we realized. Just think if Judas, even if Jesus was betrayed by Judas, just think if he had not gone to that last step and committed suicide and all of that, what kind of testimony he could have had. Hey, I betrayed. Considered that, but yeah. I mean, just think of the testimony he had. If Christ couldn't save Judas after that, he can't save him. He can't save him. Yeah. yeah. It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 9, he said, I'm the least of all the apostles because of everything that I did persecuting Christ. But yet he chose me anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing that she was saying. Uh, this is neither here nor there, but I can't stop myself. Um, in the original Passion Play in Germany, when they were first started that, there was, there was a town that uh, would put on this huge production that, that, that kind of got them notoriety. So they kept doing that production. 
And of course, as it grows, as any kind of big production does, it gets more and more involved and it would take up you know, almost half the year to, and so they would cast out of members from the village and they would all plan these different roles and they would practice it and they had a big amphitheater and, you know, and it would go through. And um, if you got cast as Judas, um, everyone on the cast started treating you like Judas. And even outside of the play, you, they, they avoided him. And there were, and when someone played Judas in this town, uh, it was going to be six months of nobody coming to your business, uh, nobody inviting you to anything. I read one being time, the, you just get attacked by an old woman. Yes, outside. being <laughs> the outcast because they, they associated him with the parties playing. And so their people didn't want to play Judas, you know, because Judas could ruin your life in this town because you, were, you became Judas to them for that period of time. And yes, we do the same thing with movies and, and actors. And, you know, so we want to we, we downplay him. Of course, that's going back to a point that we've already left, so never mind. So we also have to realize Judas was also stealing from the treasury the whole time that he was with all the disciples. <sighs> yeah, but because they only had because <laughs> <laughs> they only had one treasurer. If they would if they would take my little course of business management, we could have fixed that and we wouldn't have a problem. Checks and balances. Checks and balances that's so right. Four so eyes in every nickel. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. He was stealing money and uh, it, and John mentions that on multiple occasions. And he was also indignant Yeah. Well, if you're going to know you're going to nick the money later, then then you want the hey, treasure first to be full. Hey, he went to the he went to the temple and he said, "I know Jesus. Here he is." Peter denied knowing him. That's interesting. I, I'm giving you all these thoughts. Oh, you are. There's a whole sermon yeah, in there, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, I like that. No, Judas at least admitted he knew him. Peter denied him three times. And, and maybe it was just a business decision for Judas. He knew that G they were going to kill Jesus either way, so why not? Oh, I see. <laughs> might as well. Might as well make a buck even though just accept the inevitable. Wow. My bride. And that's as far as we can go. I've got <laughs> the next section is Peter's denial, and there's a whole lot in there. So we're going to draw a line at verse 30, and we will pick it up at verse 31, and maybe we'll get started into verse 14 when we come back, where we continue this extended discourse that Christ has with his disciples, I guess right there in the, in the upper room. All right, and with that, I am signing off. Goodbye, Internet.